Welcome to Creative Labs by Alchemy, a podcast from alchemymerch.com that explores the lives of creators and their experiences bringing their art to the marketplace. Hosted by Greg Kerr. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Creative Labs. I'm your host, Greg, and today I'm here with Daniel Quasar, who is the creator of the Progress Pride flag. If you've seen the flag with the chevrons all over it, uh, that is him. I just said him. See, I already messed up. It's they. And see, I knew this was going to happen. See, Daniel and I talk all the time on the phone, and even before we started, I said, what pronoun do you go by? And Daniel said, they, them. And I just said he, so I already caught myself in a, in a mistake there. So how about welcome, Daniel. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> Hi. Hey, so I want to talk to you. I mean, in 2018, was it 2018 you decided you came up and created the Progress Pride flag? And it's really the yeah. first redesign of the flag, you know, since Gilbert Baker's. Right? Um, mm, no, not really. Um, Philadelphia had theirs in 2017. So, um, with the, the, the two stripes on the top. Well, I mean, in uh, the sense thing. of they take Gilbert Baker's and then, you know, there's some other color. I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody, but they added more stripes, other colors to represent more things. And yours is probably the first kind of redesign in a sense of taking the flag and adding in new design elements. Um, so I was wondering, yeah, I guess you're right in that sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think about it. I talk to you and it, I say this to you all the time. It's really strange kind of being friends with somebody that designed something that's just become part of culture. You know, I see this flag everywhere for the past, especially starting last year, see the flag. I think the first time I saw it pop up kind of outside of your use was, uh, was Spotify. I mean, it's, everywhere even today i think i tagged you bob's burgers did a post of some fan art and the fan yep. art they did i bob's actually burgers, already bought some stuff from them too <laughs> was holding your flag and it's just everywhere and so i just kind of wanted to talk to you i mean it, it that's such a crazy thing to happen but in terms of what what made you decide to even approach redesigning the flag or coming up with your own interpretation of a pride flag well, I didn't really, like, approach it, per se. I kind of just, I had seen what Philadelphia and what Seattle had done with the flag. Um, and I just was, it, it was one of those kind of, like, moments where you're just like, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I instantly became inspired and just was like, why not, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um and I was up super late, and that's when I do all my magic anyways. So um, I just was like, hey, this sounds interesting. Why don't I give it a try? And what was the inspiration for, you know, was it the design where you just playing around and felt like, hey, this is looking cool? I, because it, it does add in that new element. And you've got the chevrons are there for a reason, right? And so... What's the reason for, for those, or what are they trying to, to show? Yeah, so it was definitely like a, a, a tinkering kind of thing. Like that, that tends to be how I approach most of my work in um, 
design and, and art and anything else that I do is kind of a, uh, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I'm just going to play around a little bit until something, you know, lands. And, uh, which I mean is sort of true and sort of not like, obviously there is some purpose, uh, behind things being done. Um, but I, for me, it was like, I knew what the message was of these other flags and what they were doing. And so I thought, what can I do aesthetically to add to or emphasize um, that messaging? And so that's what kind of jump-started the idea of let's rearrange the elements a little bit and see if we can create something. And um, when I landed on the chevron shape, uh, which was actually the first one that I made, um, often the way that I do things is I'll make the, the one that is the one, and then I'll make like 15 other versions of it. And then I'll go, I don't like any of these. And then go back to the very first one again and be like, that was the one all along. Um, and, you know, um, the idea of an arrow, a chevron that is pointing a, a direction away from where you're at is, 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 uh, is kind of a, uh, well, it, it, it's what inspired the name of progress because, it, it it insinuates movement and movement means change and, and stuff like that. So, so the Chevron kind of instantly added this idea of progress and the need for progress. Um, and so um, though I was tinkering with the design to create what I did, the messaging kind of flowed out of it at the same time as it was being made. Right. And then, so, you know, as, if we're looking at the history of the flags, right, we've got the original one was Gilbert Baker, and that one was done, the colors were all meant to represent something different, right? Um, I think I saw you posted yeah. about it recently, but um, what were the colors initially meant to represent? Do you, do you know the story of how that um, kind of came about? I do, and I'm actually going to pull it up because I am a terrible person who doesn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I like to talk about history and how important history is, and then I don't remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to peg but, you uh, with, with something so, with that, but you know, like initially those different colors were meant to say, hey, this is representing this, this is representing yeah. that. Well, oh, is so, it uh, life, yeah. healing, sunlight, nature, serenity, and spirit? Is that close? Yeah, so there's actually, like, so it goes a little bit further because Gilbert Baker actually did, the, the six-color traditional flag that we often see is not even the original oh, okay. to begin with. Like, when Gilbert Baker first made the flag in 1979, um, it was eight colors and it, so it had hot pink, which was sex. And then it had red, which was life. Orange is healing. Yellow was sunlight. Green was nature. Uh, teal or turquoise was magic. Blue was serenity and violet was spirit. Hmm. And at the time, um, hot pink was a really hard fabric to come by. Oh, um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, like it was difficult to come by. So they dropped that color in the manufacturing level. And then um, 
like either the same year or the next year or soon after that. I don't remember exactly, but Harvey Milk was like, can you cut this down to six colors instead? Because it will look better um, when it's, but because they were planning on um, putting it uh, on like the street for like for, uh, parades and stuff. And the aesthetic of six stripes would have looked better lined up on on the street as well as you know whether it was sideways or vertical or whatever it all would have uh looked better i think there was something about how when it was placed vertically the the pole of the thing that would was holding it up wouldn't block one of the colors if if there were six but if there were seven it would have so so they took out the turquoise and uh and that's how you have the six color flag that we all know and love today and then after that the next kind of flat you know major flag introduction was was it monica helms doing with the trans non-binary flag and was that 90 99 or so um yeah so monica helms was in 1999 if i remember correctly and that was the trans pride flag and uh light blue for masculine leaning trans people light pink for um feminine leaning trans people and white it was non-binary and non-conforming okay and i mean that's uh, that was another big kind of new you know i it, we'll get into it later but i'm always curious about it like i think it's interesting that there's kind of conflict sometimes within different queer communities of trans maybe not being accepted and everything it's definitely something i want to i want to touch on or talk about because i, I think there's a a chance that for myself, maybe anybody watching for, to learn, you know? Um, and then, so after that, I guess the next things we kind of have added, uh, was it Amber hikes adds the, does the Philly flag and was that Brown and black or was that, um, or the black was added for the HIV loss of people to HIV and AIDS. There's a lot of um, like other flags that ha- were in and out of there. There was the bisexual flag, which I believe was in 2001, uh, made by Michael Page, and uh, um, and then in like 2014, 2015, there was a, a plethora of different flags made um, on Tumblr and online in different places to represent uh, more sub communities like the non-binary flag and um, just all sorts of different, um, I think the pansexual flag and a bunch of other ones uh, of that nature were made around that time. I do know that the lesbian flag was also made in the early 2000s, Mm. I believe, or maybe it was closer to the 2010s. I don't remember exactly, which I feel terrible about. I should know my history better, (laughs) but here we are. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Amber Hikes introduced the the more color, more pride, Philadelphia pride flag in 2017 through the Philadelphia City Council, um, as well as a bunch of activists who were um, involved in that uh, around that time. And then, and that was, was the black and brown stripes, right? And with that getting added in, and then when you made your flag, you took all these elements and were trying to represent you know, as many people as possible. And like you were talking about with the progress and with the chevrons, the arrows that are pointing forward, um, if I recall, the colors that are in there are trans and the black and brown are the colors that are in there or the ones for pushing forward on your flag. And so, you know, saying with 
you know, we see a lot in the news, a lot of things happening that obviously trans people have uh, seem to be having the biggest, one of the bigger fights right now for, for equal rights. Um, you know, and, and within the community, like I said, I, I've always found it a, a little bit strange, I guess, that maybe trans people would have more conflict within the queer community. Um, I, and I guess I just never really understood why, why that would be, honestly. Um, but I, you know, obviously it seems, you know, from an outside perspective that they really are having a, a real struggle right now for just getting equal rights. And it seems like all of the movements that have really been successful to some extent, you know, that are moving forward, it, it all seems to me to be about rights, like that core human rights as a person, that we all need to be treated equal, whether that's the color of your skin or, you know, your sexuality, whatever it is that you, that's the fight, you know? And, and with that and having the, the black and the brown in there too with moving forward, so was that, for you, was that something that's just like, look, we need to focus on this. We need to, this is what we need to push forward. This is what we need to be like really thinking about. And I know you, you know, the, the kind of name for it is a progress pride flag that it typically goes by, right? The, the one that you designed? Yeah. And so what was, like, yeah. what was kind of pushing that, you know, like, um, like can you talk a little bit about that of what, what we need or what you think we needs or can be done for for people of color and for trans um yeah my one of my major motivations was that um the suicide rate and even the murder rate of trans people and mainly trans women of color is exceptionally high um we and it's often ignored um, by the mainstream media because who cares about a trans woman getting murdered, you know, most of the time. It's just a speck amongst everything else that goes on. Um, but it's really important, you know, like our movement, our civil rights movement of, uh, as queer people was started by trans women of color back in the Stonewall riots, you know, against the police, um, Marsha P. Johnson. Um, and we often forget that because we, the community lives in this paradigm of gay culture and gay pride is all about the hyper-masculine, uh, athletic, cis, white, gay, male archetype. And, um... And, you know, for the longest time, people uh, that are not that have said, I don't feel welcome here. Hmm. And, you know, when I get pushback about the flag that I made um, and people will be like, oh, you know, the original, the traditional pride flag is inclusive of everyone. And I'm and I'm just like, how many friends do you have that are people of color? Have you talked to them recently? Hmm because I'm sure most of them would probably tell you they don't feel included. <laughs> and, and so, um, so it was imperative for me to emphasize what was being emphasized by these other, um, uh, uh, iconic images that we're forgetting who 
started this, we're also ignoring who is being hurt at an exceptional like rate. And yes, we have our struggles as a queer community in general, but there are those within our own community who are having larger struggles, you know, like, I do I like that trans women of color are the most murdered out of the community? No, I think that's terrible. And I think we should hyper focus on that and 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 make the appropriate changes to to make that not be a thing, you know? Um and so my flag was kind of like a way of saying, Hey, I'm gonna make you uncomfortable by pointing this out and I want you to talk about it. And then when you're done talking about it, I want you to do something about it. And depictions of trans and trans people of color in, you know, in history and movie and films and TV and pop culture has always been in a very negative light, traditionally. Uh, Always a tragedy. Always a tragedy. It's always the streetwalker or the whatever. It's always some sort of like very negative depiction. And I, I hope... You know, as there's more positive depictions within pop culture, that that helps to maybe normalize or to help give people somebody to look up to and and see. Because when there is that singular, you know, very limited amount of exposure for the general public, it seems, you know, they build that association, you know, and just think, oh, yeah, well, that's what they're all this or they're all that or, you know, and, and I feel like we really need more people getting that positive representation and getting shown to say, yeah, I'm just like everybody else. Look, at, I'm an actor, actress, you know, whatever exactly. it is and doing a, a major role or, or whatever thing, or the lead in a movie. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be about, oh, look at me. I'm playing a role as this too, but just still coming through and showing like, look at me. I'm, I'm a normal person. I'm a good example, you know, to, to help people have something to look forward to. And I, I think, it's such a shame that there's been so many things as and people of color, of course, have dealt with that forever. Yeah. You know, I think we even chatted a little bit on the phone about the thing before with like a poo, you know, on the Simpsons and there were no positive representations necessarily of Indian men in American kind of pop culture, you know, and all these things. And, and that's yeah. sort of the same thing that was happening is you constantly see these negative depictions and people build, kind of a bias without realizing it or build start to think well, that's how they they all are whatever and so I'm glad that you're focusing on trying to push for the things that really need attention with the flag and it was, you made it in 2018 and what you know you make this design in your house you're working on it you come up say this is cool I like it do you just start sharing it on social media saying hey I made this thing and you know, in the past two year, year and a half, two years, it's really seemed to have been embraced on a, a much larger, larger scale, scale and really accelerated. But what was that kind of journey of creation to as it started to kind of gain acceptance? Yeah, for me, it was just after I made it in the middle of the night, bouncing ideas off of a friend of mine who was up at the same time, um, I just posted it on my Facebook, had like a explanation all about it. And uh, I think I also posted it on my Instagram either at the same time or the next day. 
But I just remember waking up and my phone was going crazy, <laughs> um, constantly going off every three seconds. I'm pretty sure my phone died like three times that day. Um, just for from I didn't touch it. It just died because it kept buzzing all the time. Um, calling up a friend of mine in in uh, in Arkansas, being like, I don't know what's going on, and I'm terrified. Like, what is this? And he's just like, Calm down. You're going viral. Just turn off your phone and hang out. <laughs> so it went viral. Um, Kind of off of that initial posting, people were just sharing yeah. it like crazy. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like when I woke up, it already had thousands of likes and shares and comments and it just all over the place. Like it was so, so fast. <laughs> Did you feel like, because as an artist, you know, there's a lot of people that may watch this, they're independent artists, which is what you are, and you make something. And, of course, we all hope that one day it's going to get embraced in whatever way, whether that means we're selling it as a product or it gets used on something. But it's so rare that something actually enters into pop culture, into culture, into the lexicon. And, you know, what was that feeling as you're seeing this thing that you create is just, even on day one, is we all know you get 50 likes or something and you're like, yes, you know, all of a sudden it's just <laughs> blowing out, you know, right, like right out of the gate, you're getting this response. And like, as an artist, you know, what was that kind of feeling or what was going through your head? Um, well, the main thing going through my head was please don't have a panic attack. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that whole day was just, one continuous panic attack. I, I, I don't, I, at this point, I am not even sure if I've stopped. I think I'm still having a panic attack from then. Um, but I, you know, like people ask me how, like even now, how I feel about the, how widespread it is. And I just tell them, I don't know, <laughs> like excited, terrified, um, I, 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 the easiest for me is I'm usually, I tell people, I'm like, I'm sort of like apathetic towards it. It's more of like, I'm just riding the wave and letting it do what it's going to do. And, but also I'm really excited and really honored and proud and, and, uh, and humbled. Um, but you know, like I can't, I physically and mentally can't let too much, like, I can't put too much energy in, in feeling it because, like, I need to make sure I stay level. <laughs> and no pun intended. Um, so but I try to keep. Le- was that sense of pride, you know, in your creation? Yeah. The the yeah. It, it just comes through to go. I don't know. I've never had anything that just skyrocketed like that before, and I've never had that kind of experience. You know, the closest thing is maybe working with clients that we're excited to work with that that real sense of like being proud of something i i'm proud of the fact that we get to work with you that i've gotten to meet you through you know working and making pins and and doing things along the way and you know i get like a like a contact buzz a little bit just from thinking like i i, I don't know you know your your name is already in the history books and your name is already alongside of these people that are just 
you know, it's just, it's just wild to me. Um, and you're such a humble guy. It's wild guy, to me and, too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like you're out there making, you know, millions of dollars off of this flag and trying to become a big celebrity off of it or, you know, doing things like that. You're, a, you're just like, a, you're an artist at the end of the day and you created something and it just blew up. But I, I think people, when you have a reaction like that is proof of the work and what went into it, I think, of proof of doing something for the right reason, <clears throat> you know, and, and people identifying with that. And with that initial response, was it mostly positive or was there, do you still get a lot of pushback or what's been the, your experience on that, on that um, side of it? It's been, you know, like I would say it's often 99% positive and, you know, the internet is an interesting thing where, like, I think that positive response is more than you see because I think people are more inclined to be negative on the internet than they are to be positive on the internet. So when I get negative feedback or constructive feedback that is negatively toned or whatever, um, I... I see that for what it is. Like it, it, that is the finite amount of negativity it is, but I will get a positive response. And I'm like, I know that there is this, this, there's this amount of people being positive about it, but I, I know that there's more than that because people are less inclined to say, I love this than they are to say, I hate this on the internet, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so I, I just take all of it in stride, positive, negative, neutral, whatever. I, I don't, I try not to, uh, focus too hard on anything. Like if somebody's cool about it, I'm like, thanks. And if somebody is not cool about it, I'm like, thanks. Also, <laughs> you know, <laughs> thanks for spending the time to comment on this post because now you've triggered the algorithm so it still helps me out in some way yeah you know? <laughs> you're like somebody else is gonna see it and then see that you're a jackass you know so good job for yeah, right exactly. that negative thing anyway <laughs> I, <clears throat> I always do that to people sometimes on our ads or things put some weird negative comment and I, what's the point like i we never were what are you doing what are you really accomplishing right now if there was some constructive feedback somebody messaged you and says you know I think you should have used you know, 485 for your red eye or something stupid. You know, what? there's a difference between <laughs> constructive. Crit- I don't know if people contact you about design element of it. They're like, do you ever get anybody? Oh, that- I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actual people artist? People will be like, just- can you add this or can you change this? Or will you do a version of it with this instead? And I'm just like, thanks, but like, I'm not like... It's kind of like one of those things where I'm like, I did a thing, but I'm not open for questions right now. (laughs) I'm not taking any interviews at this time. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about Um, that because, you know, the, obviously there's LGBTQ and there's plus the, I don't know what it's at right now, but they're keep on getting kind of letters and things added to it. And do you get people that are just saying, like, saying, oh, it's not enough. It's not representing me. It's not representing this. It's not representing that. I, and I keep seeing 
as people are exploring more and finding out and feeling like, oh, I don't feel like I fit into this box, then I'm, I, and I identify as this, or I identify as non-binary or something that is traditionally is outside of what the original kind of, you know, classifications in a sense that, that were, were made. Um, you know, and again, as somebody, it, it confuses me a little bit, honestly, with, with all the things that keep on getting added. Uh, honestly, like I, I get, I always feel like I'm behind on what, what's happening or I'm going to mislabel somebody or not include somebody. And so is, do you get a lot of people that are kind of hitting up like, why, why am I not included or Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten some responses from people being like, you know, oh, where do I fit into this? Um, like I, you know, some pe- like I've had people be like, well, what about me as bisexual or or um, you know uh, other uh, parts of the community? Some where are the lesbian flag colors in here? And and I just try to tell them, you know, like. I just made the thing that has its message that it's, it's a very particular message. It's not meant to exclude you. It's meant to say, Hey, this important thing is important to, to, to look at. And, and like the, 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 the making it a binaristic thing of like, because you're saying this, you're automatically not saying this. I'm just like, no, stop trying to put a binary on it. Like, I'm just trying to f- put put focus on a certain thing. And it wasn't an intentional... Obviously, things, you know, like, people are going to feel left out. And I'm like, and I'm sorry about that. But, like, I really have this particular thing that I think is important to be focused on. And... And, and that's, you know, like, that's just what I tell them. I'm like, you know, like, that's just how it is. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, it's one of those things where I feel like sometimes I'm like, do you want me to tell you that you feel that you're excluded? Cause I'm not going to. (laughs) Right. You're like, that wasn't Um, ever my intention. Yeah. And I realize that intent is not all of it, but you know, whatever, you know, like I, I did what I did and I'm not going to, um, I'll I'll stand by what I did. I'm not going to back down from it. Um, I feel like the, the queer community is in this really interesting, like flux period where we are gaining a lot more notoriety and a lot more traction and a lot more, uh, emphasis placed on us. And so it's a really interesting place where we're able to, you know, like you talk about how we keep adding more letters and and things to the acronym. Um, I think we're in a place of flux where we can decide what our identity is. And we're kind of in the middle of that and what it all means. And we're kind of trying to figure that out. And I, you know, honestly, like, that's great because the movement's not really that old. The movement, you know, is is decades old at this point. Um, I mean, queer people have have existed for <laughs> thousands and thousands of years, but but the idea of like the the civil rights movement it has not you know not been super long, and so I think we're in a place of finding our own identity and how we want to be seen in the world. And and I'm all for making it as confusing as possible because <laughs> that's fine. Make as many people uncomfortable as you want. 
I will say, out of all the the names that I've heard, my favorite is what I I got off of TikTok, and it's uh, referring to the queer community as the Alphabet Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean it's true because if you mess with us, we will come after you, and we are like a mafia. Like we will we will come after you. <laughs> We've already taken all the good colors. I mean, every color at yeah. this point, just about. And now they're out to take all the letters. You know, well, I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, if, we, if we're really going to talk about colors, like, I don't know. I grew up and all the straight people I know were all talking about beige and topes <laughs> for everything. So I don't feel like we stole any colors from anyone. They just You're clearly dating yourself weren't being with used. That, by and the way. we just. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm totally an 80s baby and a 90s kid growing up in a house that was all brown everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, light tan. <laughs> Sand. So, you don't think that beige is ever going to get uh, accepted? I, I hope it kind of doesn't because beige is not one of my... I, I'm similar age and I think beige has such a negative connotation unless the kids that are coming up take the power back of beige. I... I Maybe they will. I, I don't know, but uh, the, uh, the pendulum will always swing. It's how it works. Well, I think it's interesting you're saying you know the queer comedian generals in flux, and uh, I, I imagine I'm mixing up what is defined as queer now. But I always kind of assumed that queer was a more all-encompassing kind of a term. Um, I imagine that, that, like I said, it's in flux and people are really finding new definitions and saying and identifying in ways and it keeps expanding and, you know, maybe it'll come back to a place that seems uh, definitely, I'm not coming up with the right word here. I don't want to say reasonable, but manageable in a sense. Um, Because the more complicated that it gets for people that are even outside of that, your, you know, your cis people, it, it's, I never really know where where things are at or what the right thing to say is, and I do well. Like, what is queer defined as at this point? Is is that kind of defining something more specific than a, a overarching? Um, I mean, it depends. Like, obviously, the term queer it was a slur, and it still is for some people, fully acknowledging that. Um, but it also was reclaimed a long time ago um, to be given more power w- back within our community. Um, and uh, I, I personally refer to the community as the queer community just because I like that term and it works for me and, and, you know, it doesn't work for everybody and that's fine. Um, and not everybody wants to be, you know, considered queer. And, and, you know, there are, there are even like, um, people who identify in, 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 in the different gender aspects who are not, uh, gay or lesbian or whatever so they might not i they might not latch on to queer because um though they have some variation of gender uh identity they're not necessarily uh, they're heterosexual in that sense if you if like if i don't if we can dive into that Um, (laughs) but 
you know, like <laughs> I don't want to get too far into queer queer uh, psychology because it's not really my strong suit. Um, but but yeah, to me, it's an umbrella term, but it doesn't work for everyone, and that's why I say you know, like we're in flux because we're still trying to find the right terminology that works for us. Um, and and it's all different all around the world too. Like America has its own version, and then you know, like the Europe has their own version of the acronym, and like different places do. Like it's it's there's so many people all like trying to figure out what it all means, and and uh, you know, you you talk about wanting to uh, wanting it to reach something that's reasonable, and then I think like, well. Can you can you bring order to chaos, <laughs> or uh, can you can you make something comfortable that's meant to be uncomfortable? Like there are people in the queer community who want to be subversive, like, and and, and that's really where a lot of who we are as 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 LGBTQIA plus people is is from a culture that was subversive. It was uh, out the you know left of norm and and. Uh, and and there's a lot of power in there, and people like to sit in that space because they're like, I don't want to be reasonable. I don't want to sit in inside with everyone else. I want to be outside of that, and and I think that's amazing too on its own. Well, I think in general in culture, there's people that if you want to say going against the stream or outside the box, that there is a comfortable space to be in that, and yeah, I can understand, of course, anybody feeling like I don't want to be normal, you know, this, whatever considered, yeah. whatever the norm is. And I, I don't want to fit into that. And I certainly don't want to be normal. Normal's yeah. And boring. I grew up, I, I don't know <laughs> if I'm normal. I grew up as a punk rocker kind of whatever, and was fighting, you know, had my fist waving in the air, fighting against whatever thing I thought I was fighting against at the time, you know, and probably still exist slightly well, at least in Arizona, for sure, left of center, you know. Um, and, yeah, I, so I can see that. I guess in a weird way, I, I don't know why I didn't think growing up, queer was used as a, a slur, you know, was used in a negative way. And I guess in my adult life, when a lot of this stuff has really come, become more of a regular thing, a regular experience that we have, that, and it's part of everyday life, that I stopped viewing the term queer in any kind of negative way for so long that I guess in my head, I kind of forgot that there would obviously be a lot of people that would say, no, I don't want, I don't identify me with something that's, that was looked at in a negative light. I guess in a weird way, I just haven't viewed it in that, seen it in that way, you know, in my life in so long that I kind of forget about that a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it's so interesting and I, I'm, but I'm also excited to see younger kids or kids now, you know, they still deal with obviously a lot of problems, a lot of bullying, a lot of things. But in general, it seems like it's, I would say it's easier, but it's not such a big fight maybe to come out and say, you know, I identify as this. And hearing teenagers and things. So when I think when I was in junior high or I was in high school or whatever, people weren't really coming out. People weren't open or even talking about it, really expressing that in any kind of way. And I imagine that was kind of similar when you were growing up. And now 
it doesn't seem like it has to be viewed as this negative thing in any way. Somebody, I, I'm really excited to see that kids are feeling way more comfortable to even discuss what they're feeling, you know? And I, so that makes me feel so positive, like so happy to see that at least we are getting some progress, but yeah, where, you know, what it, to you in your mind, like there's no end of course, but like, what does the progress, like, what would you like to see in the near future kind of happen for, you know, in general for the community? Oh, I don't even know. I just, I want to see a world where everyone is treated with equity and, you know, like people minded their business more often. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, like, unless it's harming you, like, who gives a fuck? Like, if, unless something is actively hurting you, it's none of your business and you don't need to have an opinion on it, you know? Like, I feel like that's, that's the problem is that stemming from different things, whether it's religion or politics or whatever, people are like, that thing goes against what I believe, so I need to say something about it. When it's like, no, you could just do what you're doing and not say anything at all, right. and you'll be just fine. <laughs> but what do you think so, about, because yeah. you know, we're dealing with, obviously during the Trump era, there was a villain to fight against. A, a very active yeah. villain for a lot of communities, uh, most communities, you know, in general. And you can say a very, uh, a very visible villain, right? Very visible. Because the villains are still there. They're just, they're just hidden. Yeah. But you know, when you, when you've got something like that, that's so visible in the news constantly, and there's this fight, it really energizes people all together, you know, the black lives movement. And you see more within the queer community, you know, in general, coming up and fighting against that. And there's that, that big, that person just to constantly fight against and it energizes. And what happens in a time like now where, like you said, they're, they're more hidden maybe, but we're seeing some progress. Do, do you see kind of people not as engaged or on a, just on a more personal level? Like what do you, what do you think people need to do to keep, to keep pushing forward actively, even though there's not this super villain in it that's president. I think, honestly, I feel like a lot of people got energized by all of that. And I feel like it's still, and, and it has sustained and it's still continuing. Like, I feel like there's a lot more community engagement. Like people have seen what they're capable of doing when things are bad and now that things are, you know, less bad, or just <laughs> right. bad in a different way, <laughs> um, they they know their power and what they're capable of doing, and you know, they're gonna do it, and they're they are doing it. You know, like one of my favorite phrases is uh, "Be gay, do crime." <laughs> <laughs> you know, disrupt the system. That's my thing. I'm like, go for it. You know. Right, I think there's where <clears throat> and fuck it all up. There's so many parallels I I I see at least with I guess it in general to any 
counterculture kind of thing, like I said, and punk rock, growing up in punk rock and hardcore, just because that's the experience that I have that I, that I try and relate to is that I see so many parallels between just that kind of the attitude and the fuck the system, destroy the system, break the system, change the system, fight against, you know, everything that I feel is yeah. wrong with society. Um, but yeah, it's just so amazing. I'm so curious to see every year. It just seems like there's, you know, of course it's like a couple steps forward, one step back and certain parts of the country, they try and anytime there's a push forward, they try and pull back as hard as possible, you know, against and do things like that. I, I'm so anxious to see where all that goes. And before I totally get myself canceled by anybody um, or hopefully not, I'll try and bring it back to, to the artwork and the design um, because I want to know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I don't know what the first time that somebody reached out to you and said, Hey, we'd like to use the flag for something. Right. I, like I said, I, I know I saw it on Spotify. Uh Oh, I think I lost you. Well, now that this show is mine. Oh, well, I can hear you fine. Oh, okay, now you're back. You froze for like a good 10 seconds there. Yeah, I did one of these, I, you know, kind of thing. But no, I just wanted to know, like, with uh, what some of the first times you had, you know, the first thing that somebody really reached out where you started to see your design starting to enter into the public more. Because you were making, you made some pins, right, and flags that you had done, and you were doing that back in 2018 after you made it and you saw that response where you're like, well, let me just make some stuff with it. Right. And so you started kind of with, with your own merch store selling, selling products with the flag. Right. Yeah. And then how did, how did it come out, you know, come about that you did Spotify reach out to you and say, Hey, we'd really love to use this flag that you created for a play, you know, for playlists or whatever, like, what was kind yeah. of your first exposure of you know, all of a sudden these corporate companies are like, we're interested in using this. We're interested in using that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had people from the corporate world reaching out. I think it started like in 2020 was when it kind of really started to, to be a thing. And the kind of general consensus I got from those uh, entities was like, they were recognizing it as like the new standard, I hmm. guess. It's not something that I necessarily ever <laughs> said it was, but like they were viewing it as such, like this is now the thing. And so they wanted to include it in whatever they were doing. And, uh, and it put me in a really interesting, unique position to be able to be like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Or no, <laughs> I'm not cool with that. And, uh, um, and you need to give back to the community or do something more because, you know, like I, I'm like anti-capitalist living in a capitalist society, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I understand that capitalism is kind of terrible, but I also live within capitalism and have to survive. Um, and so by having these, companies and stuff reach out to me and actually value my my input kind of puts me in this really interesting position where I can 
kind of dictate how capitalism functions utilizing my design because I can say, you know, like, uh, I'm cool with that, but you really need to like give money back or do something for the community. Um, because a lot of times companies just want to do what we call pink washing or rainbow capitalism where they'll just slap rainbows on everything in June. And then once July hits, it's all gone. They don't care about us anymore for a year. Um, and so if I get a company that's like that, I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, you can use it, but, you know, you're going to pay for it, or and you're going to donate money, or you're going to do something substantial for the community, or else I'm just going to tell you, no, I don't want you to use it, you know? It's such a shame. Um, Rainbow capitalism I, is such a good term. Like, I feel like that needs to be a positive term. And you used it like a negative one. Yeah. I. I wish it was a more positive term because I like rainbow capitalism. I feel like that should be a powerful thing. Does it get yeah. used in a, in a honestly, positive Honestly, to me, to me, a, po- a no. But honestly, <laughs> if if there was a positive spin to it, it would be like rainbow capitalism is the capitalism where gay people are in control of everything. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you who runs have you the capitalistic had- society? Everyone within the queer community. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you had companies reach out that you just said no, or companies reach out that you absolutely do not want to? I don't want to say like identify with or have any kind of relation to in in any way. I've had a couple. Um, you don't have to name them. Not super specific. Yeah, yeah, no, not anything super specific. I did have um, Portland has a history of uh, police wanting to be a part of Pride and like the Pride Parade and stuff, and and a lot of the community being like against that. And I had. I had uh, one of the precincts ask me if they could make, like, T-shirts with my flag on it for them to march in the parade with. And I was like, well, given the circumstances of how a good chunk of the community feels about having police at Pride, I think I'd rather you not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they never responded, and they also weren't there, so who knows. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, um, you know, really, no no companies have been really that bad. It's usually if somebody is just, like, clearly their intent is not, like, not good or not something that's, like, they're just doing it because they want to be part of the, the, the gay pie. Right, that's the what month, they're supposed to be doing is, I'll, yeah. Exactly. And so I'll be a little more critical there and and a little more hard to work with just because I'm like, hey, if you want to use it, I'm not going to make it easy because I know that you're not using it for the right reasons necessarily. <laughs> right. And you've had some things, so, and I don't but, know but which, yeah. which stuff you're allowed to talk about, not talk about. Um, and, you know, again, not talking like any kind of finances stuff, but there's been some some cool, some companies I've seen some pairings come out with i think you were showing some socks right and um i saw we even my family has stuff that was from target you know and i you know i yeah i think we talked about a little bit just like going to the store and seeing seeing the flag it's wild it is wild (laughs) in target you know it's just such a yeah yeah I'm glad it was Target and not Walmart, you know, but um, 
Oh, Let's, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it was crazy. I don't know if you'd sent the link or one of my friends sent a link and said, oh, holy shit, did you see this? You know, I think it was even something crazy. Like our, our puppy has um, tennis balls with the flag on it even and a bow tie, mm-hmm. I think, and some stuff like that. And <laughs> <laughs> I, My cat has the bow tie on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, with that, with kind of coming through, I... I don't know. It's just so wild to me. Again, like I said, every time I think about it and I think about this is just fucking nuts to, and I'm, but it makes me excited for you. It makes me excited to see not only for you, but in general, if these big companies that are hopefully not just, you know, doing the rainbow capitalism are, are trying to put stuff out. It's helping to, again, I hate to use the word normalize, but bring acceptance of like there's nothing to be fighting against you know there's nothing odd about this there's nothing to be you know taboo necessarily uh, anymore and it helps bring that acceptance and, and that's part of the excitement too outside of again just for you thinking for you, i get excited for you when i see that stuff too but how does some of those things come about you know how does how because you know in like a licensing kind of a sense or or however it works out, you know, what happens when Target reaches out to you? Because somebody from there actually reached out to you or are these companies just using it and you don't hear about it or how does that happen? Um, more often than not, we've actually just, they reach out to us, which is really cool. Um, I, I think very, very rarely have we had to, I mean, there are cases of like, you know, random companies who use it. Um, um, and we're pretty lax on it. Like we're not like my assistant and, and the rest of the team are not really like super like gung ho about like wasting so much of our time running after every little company that decides to use it without asking. But like, honestly, corporate level people or even larger business level people have been super like, on it where they're just like, we know that you're the person and we're going to call contact you directly and see what you think and what you, how you feel about this and how you want to be involved. Um, and two, like for me, it's really interesting because I feel like it's given me an opportunity to kind of like mess with the corporate system a little bit <laughs> in a way because you know because always when it when when you're talking with a corporate company about use of something that you've done or whatever and there's always like some really robust agreement involved and has all these like stuff in it that's written that I I don't understand what any of it means that which is why I have a lawyer um but it's interesting to me because I, um, I've had the opportunity to be able to, to be in a position where like a company will be like, here's our agreement and these things we won't change because that's just our regular agreement. And then I come back and I'm like, well, I don't like this, 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 or this, or this. Um, and I, so if you want to talk to me about the, using the flag, I really need this to change. And they more, you know, like, and they do, which is weird. Cause I'm like, you're a corporate company who just told me you won't change this thing. And you just did. So I'm kind of like, you know, like, um, how much of that is true, you know, like, 
like like we've talked about before we're like a you know some uh, not always but a good you know amount of these larger companies they want to get as much out of you as they can and give you back as little as possible mm-hmm. um and so i try to make sure that you know the level of integrity is always there and always high and that you know that that you know it's a, a fair trade because with a lot of these companies like what they're wanting to 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 do in response to the use is often just a drop in the bucket of what of wh- who they are and what they are as a company. So for me to push back and say you need to do more, you need to do better is it, like honestly really me not asking for much. So like just do it. <laughs> and know? it's your way of waving it, giving them the finger back a little bit, like said and saying, no, this isn't okay with me. And I, as a creator, as an artist, it makes me happy to see that some of these companies are respecting you as a creator and, and approaching you. Because I think any artist out there, if you created something and then that creation did enter into the public lexicon and became this thing, you're still the creator, you know, and you're still the artist that, that created this thing and, and small artists all the time, they see something get, you know, knocked off on wish or whatever it is. And they get really upset. Oh, I could do this. And they might be the same people that send artwork. That's not theirs, you know, later. And, And don't maybe sometimes don't put it together because once something gets so big, Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that doesn't mean that it belongs to the public in general. You yeah. know, it's just just because it's part of pop culture at this point doesn't mean that somebody didn't create that. So it makes me happy to see that these companies are, for the most part, actually reaching out to you. And it does give you a chance yeah. to have a say in something and say, no, the way you want to use that does not align with my you know my values or what i believe or what i think how it should be used and that they are actually listening like i said they're sending these robust contracts that they probably are basically usually the same for their vendors or whatever and you're pushing back and saying nope and they're actually listening you know sometimes and 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 making changes to (laughs) to respect what you didn't, I think that's really, really incredibly valuable to see that it, it, as an artist that you're being treated that way. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to go like too into all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just, I think it's really cool on a personal level. I, I'm really proud of you when I see that stuff. And I think it's amazing. And I, I just, I can't fathom having a creation get get to that level of, of acceptance. And, and an, another thing I want to talk to you because you are an artist is that you do music as well, because I liked your last album. And so I want to hear <laughs> a little bit about the record and with what you're doing. And cause I don't know how to describe the music outside of being electronic, um, but you just put well, out an album this, again. this past year. I know you can still hear so me. You talk you about a little again. bit about that. You'll be back in a second. I know it. You always come back. Oh, man. I thought, I think I lost you.
Hi, welcome back. Oh, yeah. Well, thankfully, uh, we had the fun internet experience of somebody using a jackhammer either in my yard or next door. So uh, that was fun. I think it's right when I decided to ask you about music that everything yeah, just fell apart. that's usually how it works. I, my yard yeah. got hit by waves. My internet got hit by waves, I think they would say. <laughs> Is that a good tie-in? <laughs> so, all right. So let's yeah, talk I about guess it. So. Because you you put out a couple albums and doing solo music, and I think it's super rad. And this past year, you put out Waves, which is on Spotify. So go look up, and you have it listed under Daniel Quasar. Yeah. Okay. So if you so go and you can on. find me on Bandcamp as well if you want like physical copies and fun stuff like that. Well, I do want to talk about because you released a double LP, which is insane. And uh, the process of that as a creator and creating some kind of crazy merch and dream thing. I, I always wanted to make vinyl for one of my old bands and it never happened. And I remember when he told me you were going to make vinyl, I just super jealous. Uh, and hearing about the process <laughs> was, was interesting, um, but definitely jealous about making vinyl. So I want to talk about your music that, that you do. And I, I want to hear more about that. And like I said, you'd send me the record. I really dig it. And people should go check it out. So talk to me about yeah. your music. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I make, um, I make electronic music. Uh, if I were to... Oh, man. There's a really great... Um, there's a really great explanation. So a friend of mine reviewed my recent album for me. And uh, he gave, like, a really good, um, really interesting, um, like, way to explain it as far as, like, um, like the, so I'll just read it to you because I love the way he described it. Because this is the way he ended the review. He was like, French electronica, German industrial, Japanese pop... British ambient and American new metal combine here into an album which fans of each will find various things to enjoy. Hmm. And that's no easy task to balance. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, that, I basically was like, so essentially I just took bits and pieces of genres from all over the world and fused them all together, I guess. <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. And this is um, a, a solo thing that you're... You're doing all the music or you're recording yeah. at home? What do you... Yeah, I do everything myself. I compose all the music. I do all the lyrics. I Most of the sound engineering I do, but a friend of mine in uh, Arkansas um, does more sound engineering and then masters it for me because I, I, I reach a wall at, at a certain point where I can't get it to sound, you know, radio-ready kind of like good... I can get it to sound pretty good, but he makes it all sound better. So. Do you do your vocals at home, or do you usually go into the studio and do that? I do. That's why I have this $400 microphone, so I can Ooh. record them fancy. Those fancy, uh, f completely processed vocals that went <laughs> yeah. through the, the, the blender. <laughs> Little did you know you could have bought a $10 mic and just put auto-tune on it. It would have been fine. I used no. to. My first album, actually... Um, my first album has a track on it where I literally recorded my vocals on my phone. 
because they originally was just uh, was just me um, doing like a quick because I hadn't recorded vocals for that track yet, but I wanted to send something like a just a, a dirty demo to a friend. Uh, so they could hear it for uh, a show that that I was going to be a part of, and so I did. I recorded them on my phone and I slapped them into the track just so I could send that. And then um, I ended up editing, like I ended up using those vocals mm-hmm. with a bunch of effects. And I guess with the way that uh, the effects interacted with the phone quality of a recording it made this really interesting sound so i just kept it so have you secret there have you played like have you played gigs with with doing your music or is it mostly a a home project put out some records put out some songs or obviously you just did an album so are you putting together albums as opposed to i just wrote a song let me toss it up on When I started music in like 2006, I did a couple of like gigs and things like that because I didn't really have like we didn't really have the options for for digital distribution and and things like that. And even making like CDs on an independent level was really hard back then, too. Um, besides, you know, doing a burn CD and putting it out like that, but I'm too much of a perfectionist to do a burn CD. I'm not punk enough for that. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that was fun, but also in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, I was terrible back then. And I thought I was like (laughs) the shit. (laughs) That's every musician. But like, oh, but, um, but now like. I want to do some gigs, but it's hard because I just too much anxiety involved with with stage and stuff like that. But I'm trying to come up with this, and especially with the pandemic, I'm trying to come up with doing some kind of like digital concerts, um, something that I can do online, um, probably on like Twitch or whatever. I mean, it, it's it's limiting, unfortunately, because with where I'm at as an independent musician, like the covers that I've made, I can't perform them on online because I, I'm not going to pay for the licensing to, to do that. You know, like if you go to a venue, that's already, that's already on the venue. If you do covers, they pay for that. Like I, you don't have to worry about it, but online it's a whole different world. Do you have hmm. to set up a whole different set of licensing and things for that? And I just, I don't want to, I don't want to go through that effort and spend that money when I'm not sure if I'm going to recoup it or not. Um, so I'll just, you know, I'll just do all the original stuff instead. I tried before. I, I didn't try to think when I did my little electronic record, it was maybe 2003 or 2000, somewhere around there. And I tried playing a couple gigs and it was me and my drum machine where I'd program, I had everything <laughs> programmed into it set up. And I thought, what, what the hell am I supposed to do? I was, I was singing, but at the same point, I thought, and I was playing kind of with like punk and hardcore show kind of stuff. And so I attempted, I got some strobe lights that would hook up and kind of move with the bass a little bit. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's totally going to be enough. It's pretty challenging. It just as one person up yeah. there, I felt like I needed some cardboard cutouts or something that were or people that could have faked. <laughs> like they were playing, like I had a whole band that was go in and really it was just all running through the drum machine um it's definitely an interesting experience i only i was just playing some gigs for fun and just did a 
record just yeah. for good because I bought a drum machine and then I thought, oh, this is cool. Let me try and figure out and imagine that I sound like craft work when I don't sound anything like craft work. You know, it was, it was one of those good things. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that I am craft work esque, which is like pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I'm not mad about a reference like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anytime it, that was my craft uh, work. I was in such a heavy craft work phase. Even my daughter, her first concert technically was craft work for whatever ungodly reason they came through and played in Phoenix. And my wife was pregnant, but <laughs> she had developed her ears at that point. So I'm considering that her first concert is seeing craft work in 3d. Oh yeah. Uh, she missed the 3D element, but I have a feeling that just in the belly, she was picking up just all the thumping bass and everything that was <laughs> happening. Plus, I wish my first concert had been something that cool. Instead, it was like Lao Palooza 1994, three or something like that. I don't know. I, it was like the Beastie Boys. My first concert whatever. was a Britney Spears concert. Was it pretty good? Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, I was in high school. I was into it. I was—I mean, up in the nosebleed, three hundred level seats. I didn't even care. Yeah. Just this teeny tiny little dancing figure down, way down, down there. But I was like, I was all about it. Don't care. See, they know how to do it. Lip syncing, generally. It, but I understand for dance moves. But you have to have a whole stage production. So I think if you're going to do the electronic mm-hmm. shows, you need to get twelve to fifteen dancers. Full stage production <laughs> and just go for it, you know? This but, is why I have projection mapping and stuff like that, so I can take care of all that. I've, I've got a plan. I just need to put it all together. Would you do some kind of a video element behind behind you while you're yeah. playing? Okay. Yeah. I've seen... I bought, um, I bought this system called Lightform that uses a hefty webcam that you connect to your projector that um, you point your projector at whatever surfaces that you're working with and it will spit out a bunch of patterns in like 30 seconds. It'll spit out a bunch of patterns and the webcam will read it. And, and then on this, the, on your computer, it will show like depth information Oh, and like sections and stuff like that. So you can put, so like you don't have to like so it makes projection mapping easier to where you don't have to fit like sit there and try to map things around stuff. It will figure all that out for you, and then you oh. just put like drag and drop elements onto it. What so was that called? It makes it makes projection mapping really easy. It's called Lightform. Okay, so check it out. Not that I plan to end all would one be word. If, if you were doing a like a home gig kind of scenario, you could use it for yeah. that. Okay. I could yeah. probably do that out somewhere else too. I mean, I can't imagine because of how fast it is able to read a venue, like able to read surfaces. Like you could easily, like most venues will let you in super early. So if you wanted to sit there and spend an hour or two programming your show at a new venue, you totally could really easily. Ah, oh, that'd be so crazy. I know. I, well, Craftwork had a big video thing going the whole time and, uh, the couple times I've seen Devo, they've had video stuff going. The downside is if you go see him like uh, uh, two shows on a tour, it's the exact same show because there's no, the video is already set. It's like, this is the set list. This is what we're playing. Yeah. This is what we're playing tomorrow. And it's going to be in the exact same order, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine, you know, um, but you, you 
decided to put out a double LP doing vinyl. And that's an interesting endeavor. What made you decide, hey, I'm, instead of doing something digital, I also want to do a, a physical copy and do something as extensive as vinyl and even a double LP? Um, I, I've always wanted to... Uh, I, every single one of my albums has had some physical element um, released with it. Like, and it's always been like something that I've always like dreamed of doing. Like my first album was like, here's the CD in a jewel case uh, with cardboard sleeve over <laughs> it. Like, you know, like something you would go to a tower records and buy kind of thing. And, uh, and so that was like my, I want I want the like completely traditional like musician thing. And, uh, and obviously, I mean, I didn't go super traditional because I have like, you know, it was in a jewel case that had um, clear film for all the inserts. So like you could literally look through it and the words, like I had this whole design where like the words were on separate, like the, the track list was a circle, but each page had a different track on it. So when they were all on top of each other, it made the full circle. And then the CD oh, had man. the title on it. So when they were on top of the CD, it completed the circle. Um, and like the tray card is clear um, and all that jazz. Um, and it, it had a sleeve, so it wouldn't just be like this completely clear jewel case <laughs> on the shelf kind of thing. Um, and the second album was kind of my first try into vinyl, but it was lathe cut vinyl. Um, which was fine, but, you know, it just wasn't quite, it didn't quite work. It didn't sound quite as good as I wanted it to. And so the third album was when I discovered, you know, A to Z Media, which is that company that's local, but also in New York and London, um, that their their whole thing is like, we want to give people the high-budget, high-quantity treatment, but at lower budgets and lower quantities, so I was like, when I talked to them, you know, they were like, you know, they were like, yeah, we can do 250 copies of your double LP that's got like this fancy colored vinyl <laughs> and silver cardboard and stuff like that. And it's only going to cost wow. you $6,000. Yeah. You know, so like, so instead of having to order 10,000 copies, I'm only ordering 250. Right. But um, you get to do all the fun stuff that you really wanted to do with it yeah. like all the design stuff. oh yeah it sounds yeah, like totally. really the design is kind of part of the draw a little bit based off of you explaining the cd oh totally yeah. i i'm i'm all about the packaging <laughs> like my thing is like i want the whole experience like i want from the moment that you get it and you tear the plastic off to opening it and seeing every element like all of that is important to me not just the music the music obviously is the most important part mm -hmm. but every element is important and uh um and it just you know it's just it was really fun and also too like it was so much fun just to hear my stuff on vinyl and it sounds so good. Like, it, cause it's real vinyl. <laughs> it's not cut. It's, it's actually pressed and it just sounds so pristine. Like we worked so hard on it. My sound engineer did some amazing work uh, on it and uh, I'm just so proud of it. And also too, like 
the double LP thing worked with the concept of the album, which is that the album was split into four parts. So three tracks in four parts kind of thing. And each side, because it's cut, it's, it's, um, it's recorded at 45 RPM, so which is already a higher quality sound, but that's just enough time to have three tracks on each side. So it, okay. it, 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 it all fell into place really nicely for the concept of the album. And did you, was there were those ten inches or twelve inches? They're twelve inches. 12, okay, yeah. I think one of the only double LPs I had it was similar. That was just a full length album they'd done. I think at forty five RPM, like a put on a double ten inch. That was always a dream of mine was to do vinyl. It's just back in the day, I really wanted to, my band to have a seven inch. I don't know what it was, just because of going shopping, the idea of having a seven-inch mm-hmm. song or one or two songs on each side. I thought there is nothing fucking cooler than doing that. I, maybe I'll I, have and to I'm put working, out down. I'm, yeah, you should. I actually have been. I'm looking at doing a seven-inch um, when I get around to releasing new stuff, just because I really want that kind of like forty-five. Uh, thing small hole because you know nobody uses adapters anymore nobody does Um, (laughs) but uh but like i was talking to my rep with the with the with the vinyl company and he's like i guess you know like most things because of the pandemic everything is super like pushed back and he was like you really have to think a year in advance now oh my gosh like like when we were talking about it before it was like six months in advance well now right. it's a whole almost a whole year wow that they're backed up that far and i'm just like oh ouch that's terrifying that's <laughs> like, crazy I can't, for planning I, I, you know for planning a record yeah, release. At, exactly at this point, i guess you kind of right? have to do the release and then you know start the vinyl the set get the mix done get the vinyl going and then maybe the release is six months out and then vinyl has to become months. a secondary thing. Like it can't yeah. be. Yeah. Unless you already know, like unless you're already established and you already know that things are going to go really well with a, with a physical release at the same time as your new album, you have to kind of as an independent artist, think about it in the sense of like, I'm going to put out the record digitally and then drum up like further security, further success for it by saying, Oh, now we're going to put out a vinyl, but you have to pre-order it. It's like a campaign thing or whatever, you know, it's so crazy. I mean, even we think about traditional band too. If you put a year into the record, maybe, you know, getting everything ready and, and then another year potentially of waiting for vinyl and you're at this two year cycle kind of, and most bands can't just get by on saying, well, we'll just wait to put this record out for another year. Who? We'll just keep touring off right? the other exactly. stuff. Exactly. No big deal. Everybody wants to hear the last record or whatever. That works for some bands, of course. But yeah, ah, uh, that is that's that's so crazy. That's an entire year. Um, but I think it's such a cool thing to have done. And again, with the design element, the idea of designing for that just sounds kind of like a dream. You know, uh, yeah, I, it was a lot of fun back in the day. I used to handle, I guess the graphic design stuff of our band's things. And I remember my band's, well, our band's first cassette, I printed on an offset press in my graphic design class, but it was so DIY and punk. I had to do that myself. And then the 
another band CD, <laughs> went to Kinko's, you know, used one of those like messed up Kinko's cards that was loaded, made all the copies, and then was home like folding all the inserts and stuff because, you know, that makes it more of an experience, yep. I guess, for the person paying $4 for it. Uh, but, but it was a good time, you know. Um, so do you have, are you still... When you're making music, will you, are you just kind of recording stuff here or there? Do you sit down? Do you have a process for, are you compiling things? And then when it's time to do a record, or do you like to write and then decide, all right, I'm going to sit down and start recording this album as, as a whole? Um, I kind of just, for me, it's all piecemeal. Like, I might come up with something now, like... When I when I put out my first album, like, I had new stuff coming up immediately. Like, before I was even, like, when I was pressing the new, like, when I was prepping the first album for release and getting its CD, like, made and everything like that, I was already making a new track. And then I was like, well, I really like this new track. Should I put out a deluxe version? Like, what do I do here? Um, but... No, I, and it's kind of shifted over the years too. Like now I'm like, for instance, with this, with the current album, like I'm not really, I haven't, I mean, I'm working on some stuff, but I haven't like actively like really gone gung ho with it because I'm like, I don't want to completely move away from what I currently put out because it hasn't been given the life yet to kind of like live and be and do and, and be successful. And, and I don't want to move on because I still have all these vinyl to push <laughs> out, you know, like, <laughs> I need to recoup some of that. Um, but, you know, I've come up with other ways to kind of get around that. I, I have, you know, um, I might be putting out a, a, a thing as a different artist name, you know, it, it's, it's a way to get stuff out there without taking away from the other the current stuff. release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, just cause you can't stop the creative process. You kind of, it, it happens as it happens and I'm not going to like, I've been there where like I came up with something and it's like super late and I'm just about to go to bed <laughs> when normally I would get up and start like doing something. But sometimes I'll just be like, whatever, I'll just let it, you know, I'll go to sleep. I'll remember it. And then tomorrow I'll be like, what was that? Yeah, of <laughs> course. Know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's honestly with, a lot of times with music, it's completely random. I I almost never can just be like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make a track. <laughs> No, that never happens. <laughs> something hits, you like lay something I mean, sometimes, down. but almost yeah. never. Yeah, I've tried. If, if I, the only time that ever really happens is if like, because like some of the better tracks that I've made is because I've randomly, like a melody has randomly come into my head and I'm like, that seems cool. And then I'll go and quickly get it down into my my music program and then you know either then i'll mess around with it until i come up with something or i'll come back to it later or whatever um i but yeah i just i try not to force it because whenever i try to force it i just get really frustrated and then i go <laughs> i don't want to play music anymore <laughs> of yeah i'm a big fan of when something hits just throwing down even some rough version of it because i'm gonna forget it and I, I have gotten in the habit over the years of if I'm just 
playing guitar and jamming things and just messing around and something kind of hits right, even before the having a phone that you could just kind of record it for a minute, I just scribble down what the chords were real quick again in some cor- some sort of way that I'll yeah. remember that I'm like, oh, this, uh, the D over C, you know, whatever, write it down. I'll still forget it next time anyway, probably, but um yeah yeah when those moments i have a lot of videos of my carpet where you can hear me singing (laughs) random melodic lines (laughs) the carpet's like walking around with yeah where i'm just sitting here like (laughs) blah 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 blah, and it's just like video recording my feet on the carpet (laughs) you know you you can do audio recordings on your phone too i mean i'm sure the carpet adds an extra element i could but but like Android doesn't really have a, a like built-in audio recording app. Oh, okay. You have to like, or at least not a good one. So you have to download something, and it's just easier for me to double tap one of the side buttons and open up the camera and hit that record. That makes sense. Yeah. So the last thing I want to kind of hit on, right, as we jumped back in after getting cut off, is you showed me probably uh, somebody that grew up on comic books something that's incredibly rad. And that was a pairing that you just did with DC Comics. Which, yeah. Pff, crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, <laughs> do you mind? <laughs> and I know you're a video game and comic book person. That's not So DC did kind of a, a pride collection. Was it new story? Do you yeah. know if it was new stories or? Um, no, so this is all like... Um... This is all like bits um, of different comic uh, issues that are all like have some kind of like gay theme to them or LGBTQ theme to them, and uh, and they uh, they reached out to me to uh, to utilize. Let me see if I can make this not look like trash for a second. Oh, there's man. the focus. Um, That's so just wild. Wanted to kind of like. I know it's so crazy, um, and uh, and then this is like this is the anthology, the the like collection, all of, them together, of, like a bunch yeah. of different, yeah, 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 totally, um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, that that was a really fun project. We're gonna see really weird version of me for a second while I see <laughs> my face. There we go. Get you got to get the close up of the eyes, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so did that DC was a really cool one. You? Like, wh- yeah, they reached out to me, and I was just like, "Yes, <laughs> whatever you want. Yes, <laughs> yes, please. Um, can I be friends with you afterwards?" <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> Has DC had story? Uh, can like- this door stay open? <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's keep the the line of communication open. Has DC had kind of previous gay characters or things that have have come up or is that uh, a newer I, thing i mean there's always the i hate to say the joke about robin well, I mean, in a sense but you know yeah i mean batman and robin are kind of like totally gay yeah let's be it's, real yeah it seems I mean, obvious batman has a butler there's no women in his life he, he it's Fair. him and two bo- men <laughs> <laughs> in in his own house with a big cave and he likes to wear tights i mean come on yeah there's a lot of a lot of stereotypical science there yeah yeah if you want to put him yeah, in a yeah, box yeah. daniel that's um, fine but i will put batman in a box <laughs> i have no problem with that um 
But uh, they more lately have there been more not just queer coded, but very actual queer characters being added into comic books and media and stuff like that. So that's kind of like what this is about. Um, and uh, yeah, I um, yeah. That's I mean, that's so cool, and it's cool to see too. Even sometimes, as wow as it is, you know, Disney dipping a toe in a little bit. You know, uh, our favorite, what Gaston's friend was um, in the real life, whatever adaptation of it was. I don't know. If oh, you, the live action, yeah. Yeah, live action was like I don't know if he was implied gay or or whatever it was, but. It's crazy that wasn't even that long ago, and I feel like there was still some kind of a Disney backlash a little bit, but at least taking a step and, yeah, you know, just my personal feelings, but I, it felt like Elsa, I don't know if you watch Frozen, but might have a thing with, uh, was it Honey Marin or whatever? i got a four-year-old, so I see a lot of Disney at this point, but little, you know, that wasn't out or obvious thing, but it, it's interesting to see these major companies starting to sometimes a little bit too slow, maybe, especially somebody like a Disney yeah. to, to embrace, but at least starting to lean a little bit that way or do things or DC to be like, we've got a queer or gay character, you know, or, um, or different yeah. storylines and, and have that out front and to do, do that series of the covers and the collections. I mean, that's to talk about the weird dream pairings. It's one thing you, pair with one company and maybe they're a big company and that's cool, but there's the things like DC or the stuff that you grow up with. It's really the proud moments in your heart that you just get to really experience. I, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all wild to me. And those are out, I assume in like comic book stores right now that people can go yeah. out and pick up. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole series of pride issues that came out all throughout June and I think I think they're all out at this point cuz all of the ones that I had on order at my local shop were all there when I picked them up. Um but yeah, I think there's like eight or nine different issues that are all part of this like pride collection. Um and there will be more. I think they also introduced a new series in the like as part of this collection so that's going to continue afterwards um and uh yeah like yeah go to your local comic shop and buy some gay comics <laughs> yeah it's just uh, yeah like i said it's so crazy well i really appreciate you taking the time and and hanging out and and doing this little this chat with me on video and and going over it. and i appreciate you as a friend and i appreciate you and i'm proud of you for the work and the stuff that you're doing and what your flag is help is accomplishing and how your little design is just blown up is, is, I don't know. I'm really proud of you <laughs> and, and I appreciate it. And I just wanted to want to say, I appreciate you and thank you for, for doing this with me. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, I, that means a lot and I'm glad you brought me on here. It was fun. Well, sometimes the, the pin daddy has to, Bring on some friends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so where, finally, where's the best place for everybody to find you online? Uh, besides everywhere? I well, mean, what do you I, go by? Do you have handles a, or you just... 
Oh, yeah. Most, well, I'm mostly on Instagram, but my handle for just about everywhere is Daniel Quasar. Just one okay. word. Um, I recently just started getting into TikTok because I want to be cool with the kids. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Daniel Quasar is, well, I had made an account like a year and a half ago, and now I can't get it into it. So I had to <laughs> go with Quasar Daniel instead. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> so so that's, for the kids. My, that's my account there. Okay. And what do you do on TikTok? And I'm actually getting some traction there. Well, I wasn't really doing... I was First, I was trying to use it as like a thing to push my music, but that didn't really do anything. And then when Pride came around, people were like starting to talk about me specifically and my design. So I was like, well, this might be a good opportunity to hop in and kind of be part of the conversation. So when I started uh, reacting to some of their videos and stuff, people were like, oh my gosh, you're on TikTok. And I was like, yeah, oh my God, I am. And so they started attacking me and now I have like... 500 followers on TikTok just oh, wow. wanting to hear me ramble on about flag stuff and other gay things. <laughs> like video, you don't talk about video games and streaming and stuff. I mean, I'll, I will eventually. Yeah. Um, you got to get them I'll, in I'll first, have to branch out because I, yeah, yeah. I got to get, I got to like hook them in and then, right. uh, and then let the weird come out after that. <laughs> right. Right. Awesome. Well, Daniel, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, everybody go check out Daniel's music and of course flag and go to check out his store. If you want to get some really high quality, awesome flags for your house. And of course, follow him on TikTok or follow, follow Daniel on TikTok. I said him again. I'm I'm doing it again. (laughs) Ah. You start it and you're going to end it that way. (laughs) I had to, I had to bookend it. With with messing up pronouns because that's just yeah what I do. But you know that I come from a good place in my heart that it's of not yeah. intentionally doing anything. So fun times. All right, Daniel, I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, see you. Bye. Creative Labs by Alchemy with your host Greg Kerr. Are you interested in making enamel pins, washi tape, patches, acrylic keychains, and more? Get in touch and create with us at alchemymerch.com.